Check this out. <laughs> All right, listen up, listen up, listen up. I feel like I should pray right now, bring everybody back in. So here's the deal. Listen, shh. Some of you love the, uh, the movies. Some, however, um, your favorite thing about Christmas, let's be honest, is, is the shopping. You love the shop. You, you love the mall, right? Uh, and, and, and here's what's weird about you. You know, a lot of people during the Christmas season avoid, you know, avoid the mall like, you know, the Black Plague breaking out of the Miley Cyrus concert. But you guys, like, you, you love the mall. You, you seek the mall during Christmas season like you want to be at the mall. You got no money, but you got to hang out at the mall like you love, you love the people, the crowds. You love the, the food court being all crowded, right? You love the cookie place and the, you know, the, the, the gingerbread houses. And... But here's the weird thing. Listen up. Here's the weird thing about you mall people during Christmas season. You judge people like me who like to shop online. Like you honestly, you're vitriolic, man. You think people like me don't have a soul because you don't want to be at the mall during Christmas. You're not even, right? I mean, that's kind of your, some of you love Christmas because of the Christmas carols. Let's be honest, man. What great, you know, like this one, for instance, like this one. Raindrops on roses and whiskers on kittens. Hold on, hold on. Not, not, as you can tell, as you can tell from the first line, not the most masculine song in the world. But I rewrote the word, listen, I rewrote the words to be like a guy song. You ready? I rewrote that first line to be a guy song. You ready? It's awesome. Blood drops on halo and fire on kittens. Huh? Which, here's the deal. I'm just playing, dude. I don't even play halo. Um... Kittens part, though, absolutely serious. But here's the thing. Listen, there's something powerful about Christmas carols. We can sing a Christmas carol right now, and peace would descend on this building. We're going to do an experiment right now. You ready? So everybody, no talking. No talking. I'm going to lead us in a Christmas carol very softly. I want you to sing seriously. Don't give me that, like, weird, you know, Elmo voice. I want, like, you're real, like you're in the Gleet Club you know, weirdo, freak at high school, and, and you need to sing this song with me. Silence. Here we go. Shh. We're going to do an experiment. Here we go. The power of a Christmas carol. Here we go. Just ready? Shh, shh, shh. Softly. Not loudly and crazy. Not like the happy birthday debacle, okay? We're going to shh, shh, shh. Sing it like me. Okay, ready? Shh. Shh. Huh, well, stop it. I'm trying to do a sermon here, okay? Right, here we go. Silent night, shh, shh. holy night, shh, shh. all is calm. Come on, come on. Shh. All is bright shh. round yon virgin, come on. mother and child. Holy infant, so tender and mild. Shh, hold on. Sleep in heavenly See what I'm saying? Spectacular. There's just something about that. Some of you, some of you like Christmas because of the decorations. You're, you belong to a family that, 
I mean, you're going to have, your family's going to have all their decorations up by the day after Thanksgiving because that's when Christmas starts, right? And so they've got you putting lights on the house, right? Listen, they, they got you putting the tree up. Let me ask you a question. Just show of hands. Listen up. Shh. How many of you are in a family where you get a real Christmas tree, none of that fake stuff? Yeah. And some of you, listen, here's what's crazy. Some of you, like, you actually go hunting for your Christmas tree and you cut it down with a saw. Let me see you. Right. Yeah. Which, honestly, hold on, time out. Honestly, you're a total hypocrite because you cut your tree down with a saw because you want to be, like, all natural, but you buy your beef at, like, a grocery store. I say go hunt your own cow and shoot it, right? I mean, if you're going to go that route. But here's the deal. Some of you, some of you love Christmas because of, and this always trips me out in, in Georgia, uh, some of us, we love Christmas because there's always the hope of snow before Christmas. Like, it's going to snow. Like, they said it's going to snow. It's going to snow. And I'm talking snow that sticks. I'm not talking, ooh, there's a flake. I told you, right? I'm talking like real snow. And some of y'all are like, you hang on to that hope every year of before Christmas, maybe it'll snow. I'm telling you, it's not going to, kids. It's not. Okay? You live in Georgia. Listen. If it snows in Georgia before Christmas this year, I will shave off my head and put it in an envelope and send my hair to my mom. Like, seriously. Like, that's how. <laughs> Let me ask you this question. Listen up. Shh. Hold up. Time out. Time out. Shh. Listen up. Reel you in. Reel you in. Reel you in. Listen for a second. Here's what's insane about this. Some of, some of you, you know, let's think about it this way. Some of you like Christmas because of the characters. Right? You got the Grinch, you got Rudolph, and I'm talking about the claymation deal, not the lame cartoon. You've got the uh, Frosty. And some of you, you know what? You, you love Santa Claus. And, and here's what's interesting to me. I, I got to tell you a story. Listen up for a second. Um, it's really interesting to me how, how children, like every kid, wants to see Santa Claus until they're near Santa Claus. This past week, this past week, my wife and I took our daughter with a couple friends. We went to Lake Lanier Islands, a little light deal. And at the end of that, check this out, at the end of that, they have Santa Claus, and you take your kid in to see Santa. And what was crazy about that is, listen, the whole time, the whole time we were in the car, my daughter was saying to me, she calls Santa Ho-Ho. Like, that's, that's, she's two and a half, right? She's doing that when she's 16, we got issues. But we got, uh, she's saying to me the whole time in the car, she goes, I want to see Ho-Ho. Daddy, I want to see Ho-Ho. Daddy, I want to see Ho-Ho. I'm like, baby, okay, we're going to see him. We get to the very end. I take my daughter in, like I promise you, the whole time she's been whining about how she wanted to see Santa Claus. I take her inside where the next people in line, she sees Santa Claus, totally starts freaking out. Like crying, like, I don't want to see Santa Claus. And I'm like, no, baby, you, there's Santa Claus. You go, no, no, no. I'm like, yeah, yeah, we're going to see. We stood in this line. And so we take, I take her up, and she's clawing onto me. She's holding on. She's clawing like my face. And I kind of push her in Santa's lap. And this was the result. Do we have that picture? Is that picture up here? Yeah, that's the result right there. Uh, that's, yeah, my daughter. She, uh, huh, I'm, a, I'm a great loving father. Um, she got so upset, her eyes started to glow. <laughs> and she said with a deep voice, I will kill you. Right? I mean, that's, what, that's interesting. <laughs> but here's the thing. Listen up. Here's, here's what I was thinking about, y'all. Listen. Here's what I was thinking about is, it's interesting to me that we all, most of us anyway, the vast majority of us in this room right now, we get really fired up about Christmas. We like Christmas. We enjoy Christmas. Christmas excites us. However, listen, 
And those of us who do love Christmas, we have a lot of different reasons that we love Christmas. But what's interesting to me is that for those of us who get excited about it, rarely, rarely do you find somebody who says, man, the number one thing that excites me about Christmas is actually like the reason, the reason for Christmas. Does that make sense? And which, which the last time I checked, check this out. The last time I checked, the reason for Christmas is like actually Jesus. And here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying if you have a Christmas tree, if you like Christmas movies, and you know, if you enjoy eating fruitcake, God help your soul. I'm not saying that if that's you, that you're somehow, you know, a lost pagan freak who is destined for an eternity in hell where there's much weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's not what I'm saying. Listen, I'm not saying that if you enjoy those things about Christmas that somehow... God hates you. That's, that's not the point. The point is this. That every now and then what we need to do is we need to call a time out. We need to sit back. And we need to reevaluate. What is it about Christmas that really fires me up? What is the thing that I focus on during this season? And, and guys, here, here's the deal. I'm just going to be honest with you. Tonight, as we lead up to this Christmas party next week, I just wanted to take a, a night as your high school pastor just to share with you what it is that, that grips my heart about Christmas, that fires me up about Christmas. So if you have a Bible, I hope you do, turn it to Luke chapter 2. If you don't have a Bible, check this out. Can I borrow that for a sec? If you don't have a Bible, we have these, which hopefully you got on the way in. It's got the scripture on it. And here's what I'm going to ask. I'm going to ask if you guys own a Bible, you bring your Bible on Wednesday nights. If you don't own a Bible, you see me, I'll hook you up with a Bible. But the reason I want you to bring a Bible, even though we print this scripture out, is because I want you to know where to find this stuff so you can show other people. Okay, right on. Let's do this. Let me pray real quick, and I'm going to read you guys this scripture. I'm going to ask you right now, check this out. If you have a cell phone out and you're texting, um, I love you, but I'd really hate to like grab your phone and throw it against the wall. So if you could put it away for a second, because I really want you to hear this, okay? In the name of Jesus. Let me pray. Father in heaven, Lord, would you speak to us right now? Would you speak to us through your word? Would you remind us of what Christmas is all about, Lord, that that it's not bad to have a Christmas tree. It's not bad to kind of like Santa. It's not even bad to, you know, want the dark night on Blu-ray DVD. That's, that's not bad. But Lord, help us to understand what, what our focus should be. Help us to understand what, what this is really about. We need to be reminded. We live in a culture that tells us it's about a lot of other stuff. And so would you remind us right now when I pray it all in your good name, Jesus. Amen. Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 1. Can I just say this for a second before we even read that? What's always tripped me out about the birth of Jesus is this, that it's when Jesus was born, like when Jesus came to the planet. Because what's interesting is this. You, you need to know, when, when, you, when you read history, when you find out about history, what you find is this, that Jesus Christ was born during a day when the name of Caesar was worshipped as if it was God. Like people worshipped that name. They worshipped whoever was the emperor of Rome and whoever kind of had authority over that entire region of the world. And what's interesting is during this moment in history, the one who is the actual emperor of Rome is a guy named Caesar Augustus. Here's what's interesting about Caesar Augustus. Caesar Augustus is the grandnephew of Julius Caesar. You guys heard of Julius Caesar, right? He's the grandnephew of Julius Caesar. And here's what's interesting about him. When you read Roman history, what you find out about Caesar Augustus is Caesar Augustus took on a new name. He had people start calling him Octavian. And the reason he had people start calling him Octavian is because Octavian literally means the respected one. 
Because here was his deal. He was like all the other Roman emperors. He had a big ego. He had a very bloated view of himself. He loved for people to worship him as if he was God. And so his thought was this. I want people to know that I deserve fanfare. I deserve fame. I deserve attention. And so they're going to call me Octavian, the respected one, because they, listen, they will fear me. And what's interesting about that is, listen, you contrast that with the way in which Jesus came to this world. Lowly, humble, dirty. Look at what it says in in verse 1, Luke chapter 2. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. And she wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising God and saying, stop right there, that word host is a military word that literally means army. So understand this wasn't a little angel quartet. An army of angels shows up and they declared and they said, Verse 14, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. And when the angels had left him and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, this is kind of funny, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherd has said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. And students, every time I read this story, it fires me up. And I'm going to tell you why. Because every time I read this story, instead of just like brushing over it and go, oh, yeah, isn't that sweet? I once saw a children's play where they kind of did this thing. Instead of doing that, when you read it and you actually think about what's happening here, it's very, very strange, but also very, very amazing. And there's four things. Listen, there's four things that I often forget, like like often forget, that this story reminds me of. And what I know about you is this. That you forget these things too if you ever knew them. But if you did ever know them, you forget them just like I do. Because let's be honest, life is busy. 
And right now you've got finals to study for and finals to take and you've got school to go to and you've got presents to buy and you've got girlfriends and boyfriends to break up with so you don't have to buy them presents, right? And you've got things that you need to do and, and what happens is life catches up with us. Listen, life catches up with us and we forget the most important things that we should know. And listen, this story, if you spend time on it, really does remind you of, of four crucial things that will fire you up about Christmas if you, if you really spend time thinking about them, the, f- the first one is this. And if you have a pen, I want you to write this down. If you don't, too bad. Um, take a pen, listen to the podcast, write it down then. But you guys need this. First thing that this story, this Christmas story, this historic account reminds me of is this. Listen, this story reminds me of the power of God. Reminds me of the power of God. In the count of three, you guys say power of God. One, two, three. Now, now, now listen for a second because... You gotta, you gotta hang here, and, and you need a half a brain cell to, to get this. When you think about this story, if you want to, if you want an example of the power of God, all you have to do is look at this story. Not only that, honestly, all you have to do is read the first sentence of this story. All you have to do is like read verse one of chapter two, because in verse one of chapter two, the power of God is on display. Hey, here's what I mean by that. Let me just read it. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. Some of you are like, what? what's up with that? Let me explain it to you. Um, 700 years before the birth of Jesus Christ, there was a prophet named Micah. He's got a little bitty book in the Old Testament where probably your pages stick together because you've never read it, okay? But it's a very interesting book. And here's what you read in Micah. This prophet, 700 years before the birth of Jesus Christ, check this out. He prophesied... That the Christ, the Messiah, would be born in a little podunk town called Bethlehem, a few miles south of Jerusalem. Okay? That's the prophecy. But there's a huge, massive problem when you fast forward 700 years. And it's this. Joseph and Mary do not live in Bethlehem. They live in Nazareth. Nazareth is like 80 miles north of Bethlehem. And so what in the world are you going to do? How are you going to do this? How do you get Mary, who the angel has shown up to, and said, hey, God's favor is on you. He chose you. You're a virgin, but you're pregnant. You're going to have the Savior. You're going to have the Christ. You're blessed. You're blessed, Mary. You're going to deliver God's son. How do you get this very, 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 very pregnant Mary and her, her husband, Joseph? How do you get them to Bethlehem, 80 miles south? And by the way, they can't just hop in their car Rolling down Hammy Meal, picking up the ladies, right? They got to actually, they got to actually spend some time on a donkey, on a horse, getting there. So how in the world do you do? How do you do that, God? God's answer, listen, here's, here's God's answer. You read it in the very first verse. God's answer is this. I'm going to take the most powerful man on the planet, Caesar Augustus, and I'm going to use that homeboy like he's a water boy on a peewee football team. And he ain't even going to know it. That's how. So what happens? It's almost like in the corridors of heaven, the angels come up to God and go, God, whoa, but Mary is up Nazareth and Bethlehem's where he's supposed to be delivered. So what you going to do? And God's kind of, you know, stepping back going, oh, you're right, huh? Let me think about this, huh? Got an idea? Mm-hmm. What's up? Right? I mean... He, he, he moved, listen, get this. The most powerful man on the planet, he, he moves him like a chess piece. 
census, get everybody to their hometown. And, and, and what they had to do is, is Joseph was actually, his ancestor David was originally from Bethlehem. So Joseph, in order to be registered in this census, which it was law to do, had to go to Bethlehem. You see it? Here's, what, here's why this fires me up, students. Shows me the power of God, and it reminds me of this. That God, listen, God is absolutely in control all the time, no matter what you think. No matter what you think. This is why, and you can look it up later, Proverbs 21.1 says something to this effect. That the heart of the king is in God's hand, and he directs it like a water course wherever he pleases. No matter who's in charge, no matter who's in control, God ultimately is always, always in control. And, and you know what's interesting about that? Fast forward to our day. I think we're still in 2008, right? Yeah. Fast forward to 2008. You know what's interesting? At that moment in history, Caesar Augustus, everybody knew his name. Nobody knew the name of Jesus. Fast forward to today. Most people, unless you're a total geek nerd like me, don't know anything about Caesar Augustus. But, however, listen, let's be honest, the name Jesus, pretty much a household name. At least where we are. And, and, and here's the thing. Even those of you who would say, I'm an atheist, I don't believe in God. I don't, well, 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 that may be, but you can't argue that point. Because if I asked you right now, how many of you could tell me five things about Caesar Augustus? I doubt there'd be many of you going, ooh, pick me, pick me, I know. No, uh-uh. It's interesting. The most powerful man on the planet surpassed. Why? Because it's the power of God. Because it's the Son of God. Of God. The second thing that this reminds me of, the first thing is it reminds me of the power of God. The second thing, students, is this. If you have a pen, write this down. It reminds me, listen, it reminds me that Jesus Christ is familiar with my suffering and he's familiar with your suffering. Did y'all hear that? Jesus Christ, let me say, Jesus Christ is familiar with suffering. He knows, he knows what it's like to suffer. I mean, dude, do you even know what a manger is? Let me, let me explain this to you. A manger is like, it's like a feeding trough for animals. And Jesus, born in Bethlehem, but born on the streets, out in the cold, because there was no room apparently for them in any of the inns, born out on the streets, first night of his life on this planet in the flesh, he spends it laying in a manger, laying in like a feeding trough for animals. Parents standing around singing lullabies to him. Rock-a-bye, baby, in the cowboat. When you grow up, you will save my soul. I don't know what they were saying, but, 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 but there, I mean, get this. And then listen, here's what's crazy about this, man. Here's what's insane about this. That first night of Jesus' life, it was just the beginning of his suffering. He came into the world suffering, and that was the theme of his life. Suffering. Suffered, born on the streets, out in the cold, spent the night in the manger, who knows how long in a manger, born into a very, very, very poor family. We know that from the scriptures. Not only that, he's actually, he's rejected by the very people he showed up to save, rejected over and over and over and over again by the very people he showed up to save. He is plotted against by the religious people who claim that they love God more than anybody. His life was plotted against by them. His own disciples, the closest buddies he had when he was arrested, the night he was arrested, ran away like a bunch of scared kittens with their tails underneath their, their legs and denied him. He was beaten beyond all recognition. 
He was kicked around. He was spit on. He was mocked. He was laughed at. He was stripped of his clothing and ultimately nailed onto a bloody nasty cross after he was forced to carry it up that hill. Listen, this is why Isaiah 53.3 says this. It says he was a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. And listen, students, here's why that's important. Listen. Why that's important is this. Because most of us in this room, most of you, were born indoors. If you were born inside, let me, let me see your hand. Yeah. Most of you even, I mean, it's kind of a stretch. Most of you even spent your first night on a somewhat soft cotton surface. Right? You're like, I don't remember. Hey, shut up. <laughs> but listen, here's what's important about this. Here's why it's important that Jesus Christ is familiar with your suffering. Because here's what that means, students. That means, that means none of us, no matter what we've ever been through, ever have the right to look at God and say, God, you have no clue what I'm going through. You just don't understand. Because the reality is, he does, he, he made sure of it. And this story reminds us that he's familiar with your suffering no matter how you've suffered. Or no, or no matter, students, listen, no matter how you will suffer. Because you will suffer more. You will. Number three, the story reminds me that God has a special affection for the outcast of the world, for the pathetic losers. He does. Imagine this. God in heaven. My son has been born. My son has been born. It's the climax of human history. It don't get no better than this. My son's been born on planet earth. Like my mission from the foundations of the earth. My whole mission like to go and to rescue them. Because they were lost and rebellious. And to provide a way for them to know me. My whole mission. It's begun. And my, my son has been born. So first things first angels. Go tell the shepherds. And the shepherds I'm sure were probably a little bit confused. Or the, the angels I mean. We're probably a little bit confused, and here's why. Because if you know anything about shepherds, you, you know that this is kind of an insane thing. And we don't have a whole lot of shepherds, at least where I am in Buford, walking around my street going, what's up, man, right? I mean, there's not a whole lot of shepherds around. And so let me kind of explain to you what this means here. Um, a shepherd was seen kind of uh, basically as an absolute loser in this society. Complete, absolute loser. It was the kind of person when you passed by, you would like... You, you would like make sure there was a lot of distance between you and the shepherd and you would roll your eyes a lot and probably talk about him too. The, the shepherds were, they, they were filthy guys and they weren't even allowed, check this, they weren't even allowed in the temple to worship God because they were viewed to be unclean. So you need to picture this. These weren't your, your clean, good-smelling, metrosexual, toothbrushing dudes here. Not like a bunch of Nick Jonas, fan, you know, Nick Jonas guys running out in the fields with the sheep, all right? That's not... These guys were ugly, these guys were nasty, these guys were gross, and listen, they were viewed as being kind of criminals and dishonest. Listen, there was a law at this time that said this, it said if you're a shepherd, you can't even come into court to be a witness in a crime, you can't even, because we don't even trust you, we don't even think anything you say is true, so no shepherds can ever be witnesses in a courtroom. There was another law that said this. It said no help, can, no help should ever be given to the heathen or to the shepherds. In other words, you're seen as godless. You know what the translation of all this is? Here it is. Um, they were the not good enoughs. Not good enoughs. You're just not good enough. Not good enough for God. Not good enough for me. Not good enough. And, and you know what? Here's what's interesting. We don't have... It, the not good enoughs of our world 
aren't necessarily carrying around staffs, shepherd staffs with sheep walking next to them, but we have the not good enoughs in our world too. We have the not good enoughs. Maybe they don't have a staff and a sheep walking next to them. Maybe they got a little, you know, a little squeegee thing and a spray bottle and, and raggedy clothes standing on the corner downtown Atlanta waiting to wash your windshield for money, but we have the not good enoughs in our world. They're kind of people we walk by and we'd never maybe say it, but we roll our eyes and we think to ourselves, you're just, you're just really getting on my nerves. You're just bugging me, right? Listen, what does it say about the heart of God that at the climax of history of sons born, the first thing he says is, go tell the shepherds. Go tell the not good enoughs. Go tell them. Go show up and tell them. Because I got good news for you. If you're a pathetic loser in here, you're in good company. And I mean that in a very loving way. If you are a pathetic loser, if you go, dude, I'm a pathetic loser, you're, you're in great company. Because listen, God, listen, God has a special, unique affection for you. And by the way, listen, again, this is the theme of Jesus' life. This is nothing new. This was his whole life. This is the reason so many people hated Jesus. When you read the Gospels, you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and over and over again, you hear conversations like this. People looking at Jesus go, whoa, 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 why, why is he, oh man, why is he talking to that woman who slept with all those dudes? He's talking to her. <laughs> I go, why is he talking to that tax collector? That I'd like to kill that guy. Why is Jesus talking? Jesus went to his house. He ate his food. Why is he talking, why is he talking to that prostitute? Why, why did he go to that, that party where those people were and talk to them and love them? Whoa, 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 whoa. What did he say to that thief on that cross? What did he say? What? You'll be with me in prayer. What? This is why, listen, this is why people hated Jesus. And the very first night he's born, it begins. The heart of God for the outcasts and the losers. Go tell the losers. Go tell the outcasts. Go tell the not good enoughs. They're the first people. Announce it to them. Christ has been born. I bring good tidings. Great joy. And then the last thing is this. The fourth thing. And then we're going to head out of here and do something different. Fourth thing is this. Number four. This story fires me up. About this season. About Christmas. Because number four. Listen. It reminds me of what the right response should be. To the fact that Jesus has been born. It reminds me of what the right response should be to the fact that my Savior, my Christ, my champion, my hero, don't care. I'll shout it. I'll scream it. I'll yell it. I'll graffiti it on something legal, of course. But I will tell people about Jesus. It's, it's, it's why I should get fired up. It reminds me of the reason. It reminds me of what my response should be to the reason that Jesus has been born. And it's this. Verse 20. Look at verse 20. It says, the shepherds, after all this happened, they went back. They returned glorifying God and praising Him. For everything was just as they had been told. I'll share something with you. It might be news. Christ has been born. The Son of God has come. It's good news for us because we're a bunch of stinking lost people who desperately need a Savior and Jesus is Him. Our right response to that good news is not... Go on a shopping spree at Nordstrom, dress up like Buddy the Elf, go cruising through Lake Lanier Islands underneath the light tunnels, you know, while listening to a Bon Jovi Christmas album eating fruitcake. There's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that. Listen, students. There's nothing wrong with that. That's just not the right response. That's just not like the main right response. See, the main right response is this, that I wonder how many of us in, in our lives right now, yeah, you're bummed about finals. Yeah, some of you are bummed about 
your parents stress and fighting because their, their house is being foreclosed on. Yeah, you're, you're stressed about the boyfriend stuff or the girlfriend stuff. But I wonder how many of us in the midst of all those things are actually responding to the fact that Jesus has come to earth by praising God and glorifying him for the gift of Jesus. And you're like, what in the world does that even mean, to praise God and to glorify God? What does that mean? Well, we send you guys out, you're going to talk about that in your groups in a second. Here's what I'm going to do right now. I'm going to pray. I don't want any of you to move. Like when I say amen, I want you to stay right here because I want to explain a couple things to you very, very clearly and then we're going to get out and it's going to be awesome. Let's pray. And as we get ready to pray, I just want to say this. And I just want you to think about this right there where you are as we get ready to pray. If you have a relationship with Jesus, in other words, you've placed your faith and your trust in him alone as your savior. In other words, you know that you're not good enough for God. You desperately need a savior. His name is Jesus. And you've said, Jesus, I'm yours. I'm yours. You're my savior. You're the son of God. My faith is in you. My trust in you. I'm yours. And it is, it is your heart. It is your heart's desire to trust him and to follow him and to obey him. Can I just tell you this? If that's you, if that describes you, if at some point you've chosen to just follow Jesus... You have, so, you have so much reason to glorify and praise God this Christmas season that it is not even funny and you probably don't even realize how much you should do it. And on the flip side of that coin, I would say this. If you don't have the peace in your heart that you've ever trusted in Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, if you don't have the peace in your heart that you actually have a relationship with Jesus Christ, if you don't know that if you were to die... When you die, you'd spend an eternity with Jesus in heaven. If you don't know that, I would tell you that you don't have a lot of reason tonight to celebrate. However, however, the gift of Jesus is for you too. And tonight I would encourage you, not only encourage you, as your high school pastor, I would beg you. I beg you to give your life to Jesus. I I beg you to put your faith and your trust in Jesus. I beg you, I beg you, I beg you to stop caring about what everybody else thinks and choose to follow Jesus and trust him with all of your heart as your savior. I beg you. And so tonight, I'm available as always as your high school pastor. If you want to talk, if you say, dude, I don't know that I know Jesus. I don't know that I have a relationship with Jesus. We need to talk and I'm here to talk. And I invite you. You say, dude, I don't feel comfortable talking to you. You yell at me 40 minutes a night. Well, I would encourage you Go to your small group leader and talk to them. They would love to talk to you about what it means to trust Jesus. But that's why we're here, unashamedly. We're not trying to pull a bait and switch here. That's why we're here. That's what we're about. We're into Jesus. We're about Jesus. Every single one of us desperately need Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for the crazy, amazing story of of that climax of history, of human history where, God, you sent your son, Jesus, into this world so that he might grow up and and live for us and ultimately die for us and rise victorious, victorious from the grave so that we could have a relationship with you if we place our trust and our faith in him alone, Jesus Christ alone as our Savior and as our Lord. And I pray for those in this room who don't know you as Savior that tonight would be the night when they would come to me or go to somebody and say, dude, you've got to tell me about this Jesus. Straight up, dude, you've got to tell me about this Jesus. What is this? 
Give them that boldness. Draw them, Lord. Pray for our time right now as we go to group. Pray that you move in power. Do something awesome. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Now, let me say this. Let me say this real quick before we leave. I know, I, I realize that there have been some of you in, in weeks past that um, for whatever reason, you know, you, you, you bail out and you're not part of a small group. And this is never going to be small group Gestapo Nazi people where we, you know, say, well, you're not going to small group. We're going to chain you up in the lobby. That's not how we do it. But I, I just want to tell you this, honestly, um, what we do on the other side of this time is the most important thing we do all night. And if you, for whatever reason, aren't going to a small group, like you're not connecting one, maybe this is your first time or only your second time, and you just don't know where to go, talk to me in just a second. But some of you, you're just doing your own thing or, or whatever, and I would tell you this, that you're completely missing. You're completely missing what the main thing about this high school ministry really, really is, is to go and actually talk about the things that we throw out to you during this time. I would also back that up by saying this. One of the things that we made a commitment to do is other than the brand new people, the first-time people who meet me in the Starbucks right after this time, like so that I can talk to them about the fact that I'm going to hook them up with a drink and all that, other than those people, we're going to ask that none of you go into the Starbucks for any reason before small groups or none of you are hanging out in there during small groups. Um, and the reason why is this. Again, we, we want you in small groups. And so we don't want you in the Starbucks. We want you in the small groups. That's kind of how it works. That's how it rolls. If, if you have issue with that, we can talk um, and stuff. But, but that's kind of how it's going to be. 